Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Well, good morning. If I've not met you before, I'm one of the pastors here at Coast, and I would love to meet you, so please come say hi afterwards if we haven't chatted before. And you are joining us, and if you're a regular, you know that we kicked off last week a series called... Oh, man, you guys are good. We need more chocolate. Um, That's awesome. Yes, we are. We're doing a series on solid ground, and the reason why we're wanting to spend some time looking for solid ground is because the world is a little unusual right now. And life has sort of been throwing all the balls in the air in the last few months, haven't they? And it's just causing uh, for many people just a sense of kind of unsettledness and wanting to sort of re-examine, so what, what am I standing on? What am I doing life out of? And how do I do that well? So... Uh, this week, Matt started us off last week. This week, we're having a look at uh, living out of faith, not fear, which is pretty pertinent, I think. You know, uh, as I was thinking about this over the last week or so, as I've been preparing, I just started paying a bit more attention to the conversations that were happening around me, that, uh, that what was in the news. And I don't know about you, but I'm hearing more conversations about people that are just feeling like their their fear, their anxiety, their levels of worry are just at a more elevated place. And so even though we are doing really well, aren't we, in New Zealand, like, gosh, what a gift to be living in this part of the world. I mean, we've always thought that, haven't we? This is why we're here. But, uh, But particularly grateful just right now. And But as we look at, like, our nearest neighbors... Australia, you know, like a week or so ago, we were talking about how do we be able to like include each other in our bubbles so we can travel a little more. Now Melbourne is in lockdown because they've got this wave and kind of resurgence of uh, COVID kicking off again. And I don't know about you, but when I, I've kind of felt pretty okay about all of this for a wee while, but seeing that was kind of like, oh my goodness. Well, if it can happen there, it could happen here. And we have to go back to facing all that again, possibly. Or, I don't know about, how did you feel reading those articles about the people that escaped out of the quarantining? Wasn't that great? How did you feel? Angry? Yeah, anything else? Does it trigger our fear of it kicking off again? Yeah. It's just we're living in a season at the moment where all of us are having to kind of grapple with this in very real ways, aren't we? And so we're wanting to spend some time looking for solid ground, places we can anchor ourselves firmly in light of all of us. Now, I know I'm slightly biased, but I think that that New Testament and a year plan is really awesome. I know. Uh, and, uh, and when we started that, I had no idea that what we were going to be reading today is exactly in line with the message that I was wanting to preach. So why don't you, if you have got your phone handy, Matthew 14, verse 22, isn't it cool how God kind of does that? I only realized a couple days ago, I just sort of skipped ahead. I thought, oh, hang on a minute, I think that's coming up. Sure enough, here it is today. 
Matthew 14, 22. Now, let me set the scene a little bit. For those of you who are reading along with us, you know that yesterday we read the first half of chapter 14, where we see Jesus and the disciples out ministering with people. They are healing the sick. They are teaching and preaching good news. They fed over 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish, which is pretty miraculous. And this is the end of the day that we're joining them at the second half of Matthew. You can either read along on your phones or it'll be up here. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly uh, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, as you do. Walking on the lake. Now, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. We'll explore that a little bit more, but why don't we pray? Father, we want to thank you that you're here with us today, now, in the middle of this current storm that we're facing. Lord, there's nothing that can come into our lives that you can't be right in the middle of with us. And we're so grateful. So, Lord, today, as we look at choosing to live in faith and not in fear, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us personally about what that next step looks like for each one of us with whatever we're facing, with whatever fears we're carrying, Lord, how we can live into faith. So come and work amongst us, we pray, as we spend this time looking at your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, fear. Fear is normal. Fear is a normal human reaction. It's actually designed to keep us safe. Whenever there's a perceived threat or trouble, it's, whether it's real or perceived, our body has this reaction of fear. And it's actually not a bad thing. It's a natural reaction. However, some of our fears are based on things that don't actually exist yet. Our worry and our anxiety is fear of things that actually haven't happened often. We're sort of projecting what we're afraid could happen and start, it starts owning our present as though it's real, even though it's not. Fear can be external, like some of the things we're facing with COVID-19. Some of that is our external circumstances. But we also have fears that are sort of internally based, aren't they, or triggered. They're fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of not being good enough. And all of us, at some point in our lives, are going to wrestle with fear. Even if, even the most confident people I have ever met, 
that you look at them from the outside and you think, my goodness, they have got life together. They're just like, you know, Superman or Superwoman type people. But, but everyone wrestles with fear or worry or anxiety at some point in some way. And most fears pass, but some fears are persistent. And when anxiety or fear is left unchecked, it can have a really destructive effect in our lives. And what it does is it shrinks our lives. It puts a whole lot of limitations into the mix that weren't there before. I spoke to a friend of mine this week who's a vineyard pastor in the UK, and he has um, a history of having to, to really wrestle with anxiety within himself. It's a it's a thing he's had to work really hard with and get help with. And I said to him, how have you, how have you done this? Because he's, he's had to work through it himself and then has journeyed with other people through fear and anxiety. And he said this, everything, there's a quote that he sort of leans into from George Adair, and I don't have the PowerPoint for this. I got it late, sorry. Everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. And he said for him, that has been really helpful to sort of just sort of grab a hold of that and just run with it and lean into it. And this is what he said to me. He said, we are held back from accessing what God has for us by our fears. I get to choose to live out of that and pull back or step out or, and press forwards. A sign of living in fear is how we protect ourselves, our time, our money, all the way down to keeping parts of ourselves off limits from God's activity and work. Where do we wall ourselves off, hide, protect, discount ourselves due to fear? That is the threshold of the kingdom right there, right now. The kingdom is activated when I press into instead of pulling back. Where you are saying no to the Lord or ignoring him or putting things off due to fear or worry, that is your greatest opportunity for the death and resurrection of Jesus. For fear is about fear of dying or losing control or not having enough or not being enough. And the way to deal with that is to put it on the cross and die with it. And then resurrection can come. That's what faith does to fear. But we have to choose every time. We have to choose over and over. As people of faith living in faith, we're going to need to choose to face our fears. That Nike ad, the feel the fear and do it anyway, there's actually something to that. As I read different things about fear, psychologists tell us that the only way to get free of our fear is actually to face it and to go through it. If we avoid it, it actually makes it worse. So we have a choice whenever we are confronted with our fear in whatever shape or form that takes is are we going to pull back or like Peter, are we going to get out of the boat and press forward with God to fear or to trust and walk in faith? That's the choice we have before us. Now, fear has been described. I actually stole this, um, but it seemed like a really good idea. Um, it's going to pop up fear is false evidence appearing real. I heard Rick Warren talk about that. False evidence appearing real. Most of our fears are imagined. They're not real. Our worry and our anxiety, as I said before, it's projecting something that doesn't exist yet. But it feels like it's already happening, right? 
we get that horrible racing mind and racing heart and sick feeling in our stomach. But what if I've got legitimate fears? Like at the moment, we have some legitimate fears, don't we? Especially if we have health problems, if there, there is the risk of the whole COVID thing. We, as parents, we, have, we feel like we've got legitimate fears for the safety of our kids, the choices they make, the people they hang out with, all of that. Like it, it stirs up our fear and our worry, doesn't it? Those kinds of things. If I think I've genuinely got cause for concern, what do I do with that fear? Because it doesn't seem like false evidence. It seems like real evidence. What is false is that if fear is calling the shots, then fear tells us the lie that we are alone in facing it. That's what is false. Fear frequently blinds the eyes to the presence of God because it consumes us. Well, it can anyway. It kind of blooms and takes over and pushes our sense of God's presence, our awareness of him to the periphery to the point we don't even notice that he's there. I wonder if that's why the disciples didn't, know, didn't realize who Jesus was when he was walking on the lake. I mean, to be fair, they probably weren't expecting him. But they were in the middle of a storm, right? They were probably just consumed with the storm. That's where their attention was lying. And they were, would have been afraid. The Sea of Galilee is renowned for like these storms that can just flare up out of not much and be really full on. And that's what they were in the middle of. But it blinded them to be able to see that Jesus was in it with them. Often we fear, fear those difficult experiences of life. You know, the, the wind and the waves and the storm of our lives. And that can be loss of loved ones. It can be fear of our health, fear of a global pandemic, losing our job, financial hardship, loss of, you know, relationship with someone. We fear those things, don't we? Only to discover when I've talked to people who are either in the middle of those things or have walked through those things, that actually they've encountered a closeness with Jesus that they had never experienced anywhere else because he was there with them in it. That's the truth. And they hear his voice just as he said to the disciples, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Fear and faith can't live easily together in the same heart. They wrestle for priority. Have you ever noticed when you are worried about something or anxious about something or fearful about something, you kind of you can get into that place where you go to bed at night and it's all you can think about. It's like it just consumes your brain, doesn't it? It's like you lie there trying to go to sleep, you're really tired, and it's just like tick, 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 just won't stop. What happens as that fear turns up louder and louder and takes up more and more space is that we find that our faith and our joy and our hope and our peace diminish. But conversely, it works the other way around. That as we stir up our faith, as we nurture our faith, as we lean into the things that actually build our faith, the volume of fear and worry and anxiety fades. We choose which volume are we going to turn up? Which station will we tune into? 
And I want us to spend a little bit of time just looking at three things that help us to find really solid anchor points uh, to be able to, to help us to cultivate faith and diminish fear and fight our fear. It's not that we don't pretend that they're never going to happen. Fear will rise. Worries will rear their head. It just, they, it's the nature of doing life and being human. How then can we not be troubled by troubles? How can we be calm in the middle of a crisis? How do we hold hope in the middle of a storm? How do we cultivate a faith that will displace our fear? Well, engaging in these things are going to help. You're going to feel like I'm telling you the basics, and I am. But I was thinking, you know, even for those of us who have been following the Lord for a long time, it's a bit like just doing life. Like, we, we do life, and we don't ever stop about and think, well, very, very rarely, about how essential breathing, sleeping, and eating is to just functioning well. But they never stop, right? Like, if we stop any of that, it's going to be bad. It's not a good, good way to go. It's a bit like that with our spiritual life. These three things are just core. They're central. They are foundational. They are anchor points for us. And they never stop. For us to do life well, for us to cultivate our faith so that we can withstand the storms of life, so that our fear is held in check, we need to be cultivating these things. And the first one is prayer. I think, you know, it's easy to think about prayer, and there's a lot, we've talked about this in other messages, so you can jump online if you want to find out more about this stuff. But really, I just want to remind us again of who it is we're talking to. Let's just remember who we're talking to. Prayer is just a conversation. It's just a word for an ongoing conversation between us and God. That's all it is. It's a fancy word that just means that. We know how to do conversation. We do it with each other all the time. We want, we're having conversation. We're invited to have conversation with Jesus. This Jesus who will walk into the middle of a storm and not be phased at all. He'll just like walk on through it. I was trying to find a picture to be able to show that because they often show it's all really calm and there's this glow around him. I don't think it was like that. I think it was stormy. I think it was messy. I think there was wind and like waves and somehow he like walks in that. Obviously not gl glowing because otherwise they would have seen him. He's like this shadowy figure that emerges, you know, in the middle of all the mess. This is Jesus who walks in, who at a word can just tell it all to stop. And yet he didn't do that, did he? He could have done that, like right from, the, he could have done that before he left the shore. It would have probably meant he didn't get his wet on the way out. He chose to walk right into the middle of the storm and allow it to keep happening so that they could discover, the disciples could discover, and that we would be able to hear about all these years later that he is the one in the storm with us. And we can trust him. The thing about our anxieties and fears is we need to cast them onto his shoulders and not carry them on ours. 
Don't store them up. If we store them up, they overwhelm us. In 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He cares for us. There's this awesome painting, which didn't come out well for a PowerPoint, but I might share it on our community group page because I just love it. And it's this picture of Jesus reaching down and it's of the perspective of being just under the water and seeing his face and his hand reaching down to him. And it's as though he's reaching down to Peter and he's smiling. And his eyes are full of compassion and love. This is the Jesus that we're talking to in prayer that we are casting all of our anxiety and fear on. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing. Well, that's a challenge. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Tell him everything, all the time, in detail. He doesn't get sick of it. I can vouch for him. He's a very patient listener. Some of the things that we wrestle with, you know, like they're not fixed in two minutes. They don't go away straight away. We just keep bringing it and giving it away and giving it away and handing it over to him over and over and over again. And he never gets impatient with that. And as we do that, as we pour all of that out, all the things we're worried about, all the things we have anxiety about, all of our fears, as we just keep giving it away every single day, every moment of the day to him, we receive his peace. It's that thing of building up our faith and the fear diminishes. That's what it's like. So talk to God a lot, all of the time, about everything. Nothing is off limits. And the interesting thing is, is that psychologists, you know, and they're telling us that we need to face our fear and not pretend like it's not there. If we avoid our fear and our anxiety, it actually just grows, and then we get anxious about the anxiety. We get anxious about the fear, and so it just escalates. So psychologists would agree that there is power in prayer because we are naming what it is we're afraid of or worried about, and there is power in that. And we do it within the safety and the security of this ongoing relationship with the God who loves us. So as you pray, don't hold anything back. Just keep offloading. Pour out your heart, your fears, your worries. Use words, use tears, use groans if you have to. Scripture talks about that. There are are times when the things that we carry are so deep that we actually can't find words and that's prayer as well. So here's, here's something I'd love you to experiment with. How about this? Over the next three weeks, what if every single day you prayed? There's an app that a number of us started using during lockdown, actually. And, uh, and it's just been fantastic. So it only takes about 15 minutes a day. It's called the Lectio 365 app. You can download it for free. And it just gives you, it guides you through prayer for about 15 minutes every day. It's the first thing that I do when I get up in the morning. I sort of just get up, chuck my dressing gown on, put the dog out, bring her back in, head to the office, shut the door, and then I'm there. 
15 minutes at minimum. I know that some people, they've got more time up their sleeve and they can spend as much time as they want to there. But if you're just getting started or if you've kind of let this slide a bit and you want to grab a hold of it again, start with that. 15 minutes a day. And I would love to hear how that goes for you, what you notice. Just what do you notice as you do that? And you can be sitting here going, oh my gosh, Jacinda, you have no idea how crazy my life is and how busy it is and how time poor I am. Yes, I do. I raised three children. We've planted a church. Life is full, right? I get that. But this, what is important to us, we will make priority for somehow, some way. I know, I know that we have someone in our church who's got young family. She shuts herself in her wardrobe to do this for 15 minutes so that she can just have 50. They bang on the door apparently sometimes. They've found out where she is. But like she's determined to prioritize this. We will make a way for what's important for us. Second thing, worship. Worship is not just a thing we do on a Sunday morning. It's not even just about singing. I am going to talk just about singing today though, okay? Worship is about helping us to choose who it is we're focusing on. When we're feeling unsteady or unsettled or overwhelmed, here's what I'd like you to do is to stop, if you can, in the middle of that, remember, and ask yourself, what am I focusing on or who am I focusing on? And my guess is probably that we're focusing on the storm of our fear or our worry than on Jesus. Please do not hear me saying this like, I have got this all under control. I really don't. I still have to wrestle with this thing. Because you get caught up in things, right? But then you catch yourself and you go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I've got to remember to look up. I've got to remember to look up. To choose that. To choose to focus on him. In a storm-tossed, fear-filled life, we do better if we don't look down at the waves. Peter was an example of that for us. He got out of the boat. I mean, I'm just like, hats off to you, buddy, for even thinking about doing that. He got out of the boat. He starts walking towards Jesus. We don't know what the distance was. We don't know how far away he got from the boat. We don't know how close he got to Jesus. But he got out and started walking. And then we're told he noticed the wind. And the wind is stirring up the waves. And his, that became the thing he started focusing on. And what happened? He started to sink. He started to be overwhelmed. But smart man that he is, he immediately called out and said, save me, Jesus. So even when we find ourselves overwhelmed and sinking because we've shifted our focus off of Jesus and onto the thing that we're afraid of, we can do that. Save me, Jesus. And he will. He always does. And the wonderful thing about worship is that it places Jesus front and center again. For me, during lockdown, it got the, I mean, we all were going through different stuff. Didn't you find that one day you'd wake up and then you'd, and you'd be like totally fine? The next day you'd wake up, nothing new has happened, but you weren't doing okay. It just got on top of you. And it, it was like this weird emotional roller coaster, depending on the day. And there were days where it was just, it was hard and we just were getting really tired. And so then you know, your coping doesn't go so well, you know, like we're just human, right? There's been a lot that we've all been like working through in the last little while. But one of the things that I found became such an important anchor for me is going back to worship. 
And I've just been choosing, like, making playlists on Spotify or on YouTube and just collecting, you know, songs that are just really resonating with my heart right now and that just give me a solid place to stand, that remind me again of who it is that I'm looking at and who it is that I'm in relationship with and talking to. And it just helps me keep my head above the waves. And the interesting thing that I've found is that I wake up multiple times in the night. It's just a thing I do. Um, but when I'm worshipping regularly, the first thing that pops into my head is the lyrics of the songs. It's not what I've read. It's not what I've watched on the telly. It's the lyrics of the songs. And I immediately am singing. It's the closest thing I think I've ever gotten to that, you know, where it says pray unceasingly, doing it all the time. Because prayer, worship is just like prayers to music, really. It's the closest I can imagine to what ceaseless prayer is. Is that maybe there's these songs that are just humming away in the back, background. I'm all for that. Rick Warren, who is a pastor in the States, he says this. If you know how to worry, you know how to worship and meditate, just switch what you focus on. The skills are the same. Isn't that good news? We know how to do this. Worship helps us to keep our focus on Jesus. It helps us to keep making that choice, to keep looking into his face of love. And do you know what struck me as I was reading Matthew? Was that the disciples had spent the previous few days with Jesus. They've watched him heal people of diseases. They've watched him teach really powerfully. He miraculously feeds five, over 5,000 people with them, through them. But it wasn't until they saw Peter with Jesus in the storm that they worshipped him. It was the first time and recognized him for who he was. Something really important happens for us when we worship Jesus, when we see him in the storm, and we really see who he is. Worship is important. Here's another thing you can do. You may not know, but we have a playlist on Spotify. Coast Vineyard Worship is what you would search for on Spotify, and you'd be able to access a whole bunch of the songs that we uh, use on a Sunday. Now, I know there's a lot of good music on the radio. I also know there's a lot of rubbish music on the radio, because I've heard some of it. Um, so I'm not saying, like, you know, you have to only listen to this. I'm not saying that, but I am saying, let's make room for this as another point of anchoring ourselves and helping us to stay focused on the right stuff. Let's just make sure it features in our lives. And the wonderful thing is if you use that playlist as a starting point, it will enrich your worship experience on a Sunday because you'll know the songs. You can relax into knowing the songs and just be able to let yourself go. It's awesome. Okay, last thing, Bible. The Bible gives us living examples of other people who have been afraid or worried and have found their strength in God. They show us how we can choose faith over fear. Romans 15.4 says this, Give For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in Scripture and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. It's all there to help us to be able to do this well. And if we read scripture, we discover this is not a bunch of perfect people who've got this all figured out. These are regular people facing all that life throws at them, the good stuff, the hard stuff, stuff that 
was way harder than anything we've ever faced. Often, imprisonment, torture. I don't think any of us have actually gone through that. Forgive me if you have. And yet they chose faith over fear. The second thing that scripture does for us, as well as giving us a lived example of faith being lived out, is that we are reminded again of what is unchanging. That God is unchanging. What was true for them is true for us. God is faithful. God is steadfast. God sees everything. He's not ignorant of what's happening to us. He cares about everything in our lives. He always acts out of his goodness. Always. He never stops loving us. God's plans are for good, and they are usually better than the ones we have for ourselves. Focusing on what is unchanging gives us another anchor. Now, when you're thinking about these anchor points, think about um, the boys, not like boys, but the boys in the ocean, or buoy if you're American, buoys. It's this little thing that bobs around and shows the boats where to go or not to go, and it moves. Everything can move around it, but it is firmly anchored to the seabed. So storms can come and go. Storms can wash around them, over them, and they just, they just like bobbing about, but firmly anchored. That can be us. This is what these things can be for us. They anchor us in. So the storms of life, the things we're afraid of, our worries and anxieties can wash around us. They can wash over us, but they cannot move us because we are firmly anchored. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 reminds us that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our fears, our worries, our anxieties, the storms of life, they pass. It doesn't feel like it when we're in the thick of them, but they do. And God is unchanging through it all. He is constant. And we know that our feelings can swirl, can't they? They change. That's the swirling mess of things often, depending on what life is doing to us. They can shift. But what we learn, I love this quote from Eugene Peterson, who wrote a, a fantastic book. If you have not read the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, I highly recommend it. But Eugene Peterson says, we learn to live not by our feelings about God, but, about, but by the facts about God. And where do we find those facts? In Scripture. For us to be able to find out who God is and how it is that we can live out of faith, we need regular installments of Scripture in our lives. That's one of the reasons why, as we were considering um, what was happening for us as a community of people during COVID, that we invited us as a church to be reading through the New Testament over the next 12 months, is to give us an anchor. And, you know, you've heard me say this before because I'm an extrovert and I probably won't ever stop saying it, is these things are just more fun with friends, aren't they? It means that we can talk to each other. What did you read today? Because the thing with Scripture is it's not just about getting facts. It's not just about getting information. It's actually about encountering Jesus. We encounter him in prayer. We encounter him in worship. And we encounter him in Scripture. And this transformational 
process that only God can seem to do is worked from within us and works its way out. We need regular installments of God's word in our lives. So here's the third thing for you to do. You didn't know you were coming to church to be told what to do, eh? Can you tell I'm an eldest child and a teacher and a mum? <laughs> it's the uh, trifecta. Um, and you're on the receiving end. God bless you. Um, all right. But seriously, these things, it's, it's like I was thinking, oh, you know, I wonder, like, how should I talk about these things this morning? Should I sit on a stool and be all, you know, sort of contemplative? But actually, I'm just super passionate about this stuff because I know that it works. I know it has made a difference in my own life. As I've seen it worked out in the lives of other people that I know and love, this works. And so how can I not want to give it away? How can I not be excited about it? I can't just sit leisurely on a, chair, on a stool and be all cool, 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 calm and collected. I'm like, this is really good. So I really do want you to do this stuff. I was just trying to soften the blow. Um, okay, God's word. First word, last word. What if, and look, I've gone old school. I've got an actual Bible. This is actually a nicer one. My one's really tatty. I found this other one. Um, open it. And have it on your bedside table. Don't close it. I haven't got my little bread flyer anymore, but my bread flyer could be sitting just inside of it. So the first thing that I do in the morning as I start here, first word. Before I look at the weather or Instagram to see what my kids are doing, I look here, first word, God's word, first word, end of the day. And honestly, the New Testament plan that we're reading, what does it take, guys, like 10 minutes? You know, and we can go more if we want, but 10 minutes before you jump out of bed and start the day. And if the kids are up and running around, just scoop them in next to you and read it out loud to them. First word, at the end of the day, your Bible, you'll notice, is sitting on your bedside table open, beckoning you, calling your name. I say that like it's funny, but it is actually a thing. God's word, first word. God's word, last word. Either reread what you read in the morning because you'll be reading it from the context of the day. And some things you might you didn't notice in the morning, you might notice at night in a different kind of a way. It's like that. Or it could be that you work your way through the book of Psalms, which is a whole lot of prayers. And you could just do a psalm a day. Or for the really long ones, you could break up over a couple of days. But you could work your way through Psalms in the evening if you wanted. But first word in the morning, last word at the end of the day. That we bookend our day anchored in the Word of God. Anchored. So those are three things that we can cultivate to be able to stir our faith. Worship, uh, prayer, worship, and reading the Bible. Worship team, can I ask you guys to come on up? I want to just finish with this. I've got a friend in the UK. A number of you will remember Zach, who was our intern here a few years ago. And his mum is a really dear, and oh, I was going to say old, but that would mean that we're old, so I'm not going to go there. Very dear friend of mine who has lupus. 
And she lives at a really high risk with um, her health at the best of times, but with COVID and the situation in the UK, is it's really, really a big deal. So she has been in quarantine with her elderly parents since early March. And I messaged her and I just said, look, I'm talking about us choosing to live in faith and not in fear. What has that been like for you? She's had lupus now for about six or seven years. This, this though, this is a whole other chapter, you know, what she's facing at the moment. And this is what she wrote me. It's interesting. Every day in the early years of both her daughter's illness, they'd had, um, her daughter had been seriously ill for a number of years and then just towards the tail end of kind of getting their head around that, that was, she was diagnosed with lupus then. So in the earlier years of both her daughter's illness and then my own, I, could, I would pray for hope. I mean literally wake up daily and hope, hope for healing, hope for her daughter's recovery and just all the things that seem stacked against us. And then ever so gently, God, in brackets, I think it was him, told me it's not hope, it's faith. Faith in the unseen, faith in the unknown, the, uns- the seemingly unanswered. It's not about having a faith. It's about living in faith. Many times over the past few years, mainly in health crisis, if I feel afraid, which let me tell you, being autoimmune uh, suppressed does throw up occasionally, I have to choose to look away from fear, to turn away from it, to realize faith, to choose it, to live in faith. It's a choice. If you choose fear, it pushes reason and hope away. You choose to live in faith because you occasionally have faith. There is a difference. Now, lockdown, shielding and vulnerability, thinking about my own morbidity, the fact that I have no choice but to stay away from people to stay alive. Letting go of fear, again, was a choice, an action, if you like. At the beginning, I felt an overwhelming wave of fear, stomach-churning. The fear of death was there a bit, though it was also about the loss of freedom, the fact that I had no idea when I would be out, whether I'd see friends again, the fact that I can't leave this space and hug my family. And then I realized the choice was mine, to believe the good, see the best, and trust for peace and health. Makes me sound sorted. It's a process. Spoiler alert, I'm not sorted, but I am started. I've had to let go of so many things through this illness, giving it all over to what he wants for my life, not what I ever thought or imagined. I didn't want to just kind of use examples of of people that are removed. I know you don't know Helen, but I know Helen, and I know she's had to work really hard for this. So what I want us to do is to stand And I'm just going to invite God to speak to each one of us for us to be able to just take a moment to examine the state of our heart and mind and to notice if He shows us anything we're worried about or fearful about or anxious about. And then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to just come and meet with us. Okay? So why don't you join me as I pray. Father God, You are so tender, so gentle with us. We're safe in your hands. Thank you that you journey with us right into the thick of what we're afraid of and worried about, the storms of our life that stir all of that up. 
thank you that you are there with each one of us with whatever it is we are working through right now. And I pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to each one of us. Reassure us again that you know us individually, that you see the things we're worried about, that we're fearful of, and that you care deeply. So speak to us, Lord. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.